Welcome to another episode of Toho Yaro, the Japanese Movie Club podcast. I'm your host this month, Joey Weiser, and with me are my hosts, Scott Dryman. Hi, Scott. Hi, Joey. And Alex Kazanis. Hey, Alex. Yosh. Hello, Joey. <laughs> um, before we get started, I wanted to real quick mention one last time the Mako Kaji contest, uh, just because we, we briefly brought it up in our plugs uh, last episode, but... Um, you know, on top of, you know, saying congrats to Dawn from the Anime Nostalgia podcast for winning the book, I wanted to bring it up again just to make sure we thanked everyone who entered because it was really cool uh, getting all that feedback. Um, people mentioned uh, finding some new favorite movies because of us. Uh, Fish Story was brought up in that regard uh, a couple times, uh, which is really cool. And we really appreciate that. Um. You know, and also I wanted to mention that all of your suggestions uh, for films that we cover have been added to our request list. So hopefully we'll get to all of them eventually. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Um, now, as for this month, uh, we watched Truck Yarrow 5, uh, Truck Star of Guts from 1977. <laughs> Same here as Star Wars. Oh, oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a, one of the Truck Yarrows has a pretty heavy sci-fi theme, which might have been Star Wars uh, because of Star Wars, I wonder. Um, but um, so the, the Japanese subtitle for this one is Dokyo Ichiban Boshi, which uh, means like the gutsy or brave Ichiban Boshi, the first star. So as goofy as that English title is, like Truck Star of Guts, it is relatively accurate. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. And and uh, he says the title later on in the movie. Uh, yeah, he, the... he does. Yeah, uh, you know, this movie is so, you know, <laughs> goofy and ham-fisted that they literally do that thing where someone yells out the, the title of the film. <laughs> um just like in Star uh, Wars. <laughs> I can't believe these Star Wars. <laughs> these Star Wars. Um, so uh, as far as the staff for this, um, I would recommend uh, folks listen to our first Truck Yarrow episode, uh, which is episode 11, uh, for full credits on uh, the director, Norifumi Suzuki, who directed this as well as all 10 of the Truck Yarrow movies. And then, of course, the... Um, the main leads, Bunta Sugawara, who plays uh, Momojiro Hoshino, a.k.a. Ichiban Boshi, um, and Kinya Aikawa, who plays Kinzo Matsushita, uh, a.k.a. Jonathan the Widower. Um, just one note about that that I thought was interesting is that they've named his character Kinzo, uh, which uh, starts with Kin, just like the actor's real name, uh, Kinya Aikawa. Because um, I noticed that one of the characters in this movie refers to him as Kin Kin, which is his real life nickname. So they could still <laughs> do that. Um, um, noticeably absent from this film was uh, Masumi Harakawa um, and the rest of the kids who play Jonathan's family. Uh, we only see them in a photo and some flashbacks uh, that were just clips from past movies. Um, but as far as new cast members, um, uh, Shinichi Sunny Chiba plays Joji, the leader of the Jaws gang. This guy is pretty well known in the uh, West, um, especially for his karate films from the 70s, like uh, The Street Fighter and Karate Bullfighter. 
Um, Chiba has a huge list of credits, including uh, Battles Without Honor and Humanity, the, the second film, Hiroshima Deathmatch, um, The Bullet Train, the, the film that inspired Speed, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill, and Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. So he's <laughs> made it into the U.S. movies as well. <clears throat> and um, Katahira Nagisa plays Minako, the film's Madonna or love interest. Uh, this was an early credit in her filmography. Um, kind of looking at what she had done, she was in a long-running TV movie series called Red Dead Wagon that I can't find much info on it, except for that it started in 1992 and the 34th film came out in 2014. So, <laughs> And she's in all of them, so I think she's one of the main characters. Um, she also appeared in two TV movie adaptations of Naoki Urasawa's Happy. Um, which I think is a tennis manga, if I remember correctly. Um, Yeah, um, Yoko Natsuki plays Maya, the prostitute that uh, Jonathan picks up and ends up entangled in the plot. Um, Interestingly, her first film was starring opposite uh, Sunny Chiba in Karate for Life in 1977, the same year that this came out. She also appeared with him in The Fall of Akko Castle in 1978. So I think it's pretty interesting that she's kind of paired with him um she also played uh nami matsushima in new female prisoner scorpion special cell block x uh, also from 1977 this is a busy year for her <laughs> um and finally i wanted to mention uh aki yashiro who plays benten the the lady trucker who sings to the rest of the the drivers in the middle of the movie um she's an enka singer with a long successful career um, her 1973 hit, uh, Namida Koi, which means Love Tears, was especially revered by truck drivers, and she was nicknamed the Trucker's Goddess. Um, so it's fitting. This was a bit of stunt casting, I think, uh, putting her in this movie. Um, so getting into uh, our, our history with the film, I know, um, uh, Scott, you and I had previously watched this together, right? Yeah, you had uh, brought this over to or we went to your house to watch it with a bunch of friends and it was a, a pretty good way to watch it is sitting around with a bunch of other people laughing mm, mm. and alex had you seen this one before uh no. no no this is this is my first time watching this one okay uh, cool and it's soups funny um <laughs> yeah I, I i feel like you benefit a lot by watching the first one because mm-hmm. this one i think is like way more uh off the wall and yeah Bali. yeah definitely <clears throat> yeah it's the kind of thing where i like that foundation of the first one uh but i also kind of want to like also let people know who've seen the first one like believe me it gets crazier <laughs> after this point but um yeah for me uh after seeing the first uh truck Yarrow film subtitled i uh tracked down the rest uh untranslated uh because i liked it so much and this was one of my favorites um in my occasional random Googling of Truck Yarrow, I came across a listing one day of this film uh, to be shown subtitled on Hawaii's Nippon Golden Network, uh, a sort of special cable channel. And not only that, but it was like coming up in less than a week or something, if I remember correctly. So I went on this mad hunt, kind of calling out anyone I knew with connections to Hawaii to like <laughs> see who had this channel and see if anyone could record it for me, you know. In this sort of day of digital uh, cable, you know, it's it's more difficult than when folks just had VCRs 
to get someone to record something because I definitely like ran into a thing where someone was like, oh, yeah, I know somebody who has that channel, but they have no way of recording this. Um, And so it was a whirlwind of a couple of days, but I did eventually find someone to hook me up. um, And I'm extremely grateful because um, this is another reason why I hope that eventually all the movies get a nice Western release on home video. Arrow (laughs) or someone. (laughs) Um, So I don't have to go through that rigmarole again. Yeah. I'm God, I would kill for an official release of all of these movies now because this one is so like, oh, God, I laughed a lot. Uh, It's it's like it's like watching uh, a whole mess of comedy routines, like plus our, you know, uh, a story featuring our favorite truckers and Mm -hmm. what you've come to expect with these movies. Like, you know, you got to check all the boxes. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to have your race to the finish. You got to have a brawl. You have to have a Madonna. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, I feel like these movies follow a very similar formula, uh, like Torasan, but, um, I guess, uh, I think a lot more happens in these. Hmm. Yeah, that that might be so. Um, and and they definitely have license to kind of go crazier than Torasan ever, ever goes. Yeah. There are a few parts of this where it just turns into, notably the beginning, it just turns into a cartoon basically. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so the movie begins with some classic uh you know rascal behavior well, you know uh there's a group of truckers who've been stopped by traffic cops and momojiro and jonathan drive by uh sending out encouraging words to the police thanking them for their service and uh you know the police of course let the guys drive by and you know give them kind of a friendly wave when suddenly we see a uh, another cop car suddenly, you know, speeding after them, and we find out that they had peeked into the policewoman's dormitory, uh, some bad bad dudes, and so they thwart the officer with several tricks, like swerving around until she's dizzy and spraying smog out of their tailpipe, covering her in smoke, um, and she eventually gets out of the car, and when the <laughs> Momojiro's truck drives by, it tears off her shirt, whoops, uh, and and they go off into the, the distance as the credits begin to roll, um, and we get the theme song uh, with several shots of Decatora and other sort of decorated vehicles and stuff, which I thought was kind of interesting. There's like a little like motorcycle with lights and stuff all over it and some other things, um, and we get, of course, shots of the beautiful countryside as well, the sort of like mixture of things that I love so much about these. Um, uh, eventually the guys pull off, uh, at night for Momo to go pee in the woods, uh, and in the woods, as he's relieving himself, he thinks he sees a beautiful woman appearing almost as a ghost behind a Jizo statue. Um, I wanted to take a second to talk about, uh, Jizo statues because they have some important imagery in this film, um... So there are this, these Buddhist statues that are believed to protect children and unborn babies, uh, according to the beliefs, uh, because babies don't have an opportunity to build up karma, uh, Jizo helps smuggle them into the afterlife. Um, yeah, specifically uh, in Japanese Buddhism, Jizo is uh, basically like a, a deity that instead of reaching uh, enlightenment, decides intentionally to stay back and help those children. So he's he's really revered as a, a deity that helps both children, but also travelers, which is why you see them at a lot mm. of tourist spots, and probably why it's uh, 
significant imagery in this, both because there are, there are children in the movie, the school children, but also I would imagine in Japan that Jizo is, is given some reverence by truckers and people who travel a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. That's good. Um, so Momo sees this woman and instantly falls for her. <laughs> we get the visual cue of him seeing stars appear around her face. Um, and she says to him that she's waiting for him in Sado and disappears. Uh, he leaps to grab her, but cradles the Jizo statue instead. And Jonathan finds him like this. And uh, Momo's already, you know, elsewhere in his mind, determined to meet this woman, <laughs> possibly a ghost, uh, in Sado. And I wanted to also take a second to talk about Sado. Um, it's an island in Niigata off the west coast of Japan. And Sado is a relatively remote location. And because of this, it was a place where people were often sent into exile in ancient Japan. Japan. Um, it's also well known for its gold mine, which was at its peak in the Edo period, but continued to produce gold until they closed it in 1989, about 10 years after this film. So both of that kind of comes into play here. Um, hmm. So anyway, as Momo's dazed, uh, Jonathan also thinks he sees a beautiful ghost, but it's just a prostitute <laughs> who we later know uh, as, as Maya. Uh, he escorts Maya back to her place, thinking that he's going to get some, but she just gives him a kiss, kind of saying, oh, you're a nice guy, and, and turns in for the night. So Jonathan and Momo continue their work. Uh, Momo wants to go to Sado, but Jonathan wants to stick around to see Maya again. Uh, he complains that the only woman he's slept with is his wife, to which he gets no sympathy, but <laughs> Momo agrees. Like He's like, okay, you can uh, do what you want with Maya, and then we go to Sado. So um, later at the truck stop, both of the guys are already uh, getting pretty goofy. Uh, Jonathan has dressed up in what I would call fancy sleaze apparel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, think like Fear and Loathing in the Las Vegas. Uh, he basically looks like that. It's a very uh, loud, like Hawaiian shirt and mm -hmm. uh, fancy shades and some other stuff. <laughs> I love how everybody's like, whoa, you look cool all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Momo is reading up on Sado with tons of like tourist books and stuff, but also reading a, a book called uh, Madame de Sade because Sade would be Sado in Japanese. Yeah, that that gag really got me. That's actually a a play about the wife of the Marquis de Sade that mm. is a oh. pretty renowned play, but it is it is incredibly funny that that's the thing that he like keeps going back to throughout <laughs> the movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's like always got that book in hand. Um yeah, I love I love Momo's like uh, attempts to be literary and stuff uh in this film. Um, but so before Jonathan can get up to no good with, uh, with Maya, the, the Jaws gang arrives and they're this really cool <laughs> oh gang. They have, uh, tanker trucks that are all decorated with sharks, uh, and wear military camo. I think it's funny that the, the shark tanks all say like Jaws one, Jaws two, Jaws three, like, um, almost like kind of predicting the like crazy <laughs> amount of sequels that the Jaws movie would eventually, uh, get. Yeah, um, I went and looked up after this, and it, it actually came out uh, the year following Jaws, but a year before the uh, the first sequel came out. So completely unrelated to that is just happenstance. Yeah. <laughs> it really works very well as a joke in regards to the sequels, but that was not uh, <laughs> what what they were going for, I guess. But 
Um, they're led by Joji, uh, who's also nicknamed Jaws. Um, who you know, Jaws in Japanese would be Jozu. So Joji G is sometimes kind of used as a Z sound. So Jozu and Joji kind of uh, sound similar in that way. Um, and uh, they don't want anyone using their special CB radio channel. Uh, they cause a ruckus, and a uh, the the female trucker Ben Ten arrives to break it up. Um, they enter the truck stop, and of course, uh, instantly start uh, fighting with Momo. Uh, I <laughs> I love this gag where Joji pulls out a cigarette, and one of his subordinates has this like <laughs> huge lighter around his neck. <laughs> yeah, it's like the size of a notebook or something. It's this. <laughs> It's so stupid, but it just cracks me up. My favorite um, part about that is uh, Momo comes in to, to mooch uh, a light off of off mm-hmm. of the lighter with a cigarette, and they close the Zippo, uh, effectively cutting his cigarette in half. Yeah, and he still has like the little bit of half of cigarette in his mouth for a second <laughs> before <laughs> yeah, flying really off the good. handle. I love uh, how um, I, I think uh, it was in the scene where uh, uh, <laughs> I think Jonathan asks uh. Asks Momo, oh, what kind of teacher are you going to be? A sex ed teacher? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think that's later, but I like that, that that's sort of, it's like, that's all you that you're, uh, you know, have authority to teach <laughs> about. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, uh, but, I wanted to talk about the, the lady trucker, Benton, for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, her yeah. truck says, uh, Kurenai Benton Maru, which Maru basically just means like ship or boat. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kurenai means crimson, which she wears red throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And Benten is actually a Japanese Buddhist deity that is a goddess of uh, music and femininity. So oh, it's awesome. it's it's good naming considering she was uh, called the the trucker goddess. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow! Yeah, I was going to so cool. say <laughs> it's a good thing this this movie didn't predict uh, not only the Jaws sequels but the children's cartoon Ben Ten. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's see. At this point, uh, Joji takes a shower and we get this sort of like uh, we, we find out that he and Maya are romantically intertw- intertwined. And, uh, you know, the scene gets pretty spicy. <laughs> Making have the, the shower. weirdest kiss. That yeah. I've maybe ever seen in film. Yeah, I, I wrote that down. I'm and. This kind of kiss is actually typical for a lot of movies in this time period. I've I've uh, come to notice this weird mm. like baby bird, mama bird kiss. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> yeah, what it looks in like. The seventies were just bad at kissing. Mm. Yeah, the French the French uh, didn't come around to teach them uh, what proper kissing was like <laughs> until a couple of years later. Yeah, so Jonathan takes the hint. Uh, I don't know. He can't like see into the shower, but I guess he knows what's going on. And uh, he and Momo eventually head to Sato uh, on a ferry. Um, They arrive at a small schoolhouse out in the country for delivery, but the teacher has gone up into the mountain with her students. Uh, They come across an old man panning for gold, which Momo is like unnecessarily rude to, uh, of course. But Jonathan is struck by this possibility of getting rich. Uh, So he kind of stays behind, but Momo heads off on his own and encounters the teacher uh, at another Jizo statue. And this is the same woman that he'd seen as a ghost, only she's wearing modern clothes and has short hair. Um, you know, this, of course, strikes him, and 
this is Minako. Um, he goes into love mode immediately and tries to play off that he's super educated as well. He claims that he once was a, aiming to be a teacher, but quit to uh, train in the Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> which I love. Uh, well, uh, however, he's now determined to uh, return to his original calling. Oh, Sorry, God. what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say that it, that comes back to. Uh, oh yeah, later, the Olympics. Uh, his like uh, swimsuit. Yeah, <laughs> his onesie. <laughs> and yes, this is this is where he has that conversation with with uh, Jonathan about sex. Ed. Yeah, uh, yeah, because he he yeah. So he they both decide that they want to stay in Sado. Uh, you know, Momo wants to stay and be a teacher, and Jonathan wants to uh, stay and pan for gold. And yeah, this is when Jonathan says like, <laughs> "You, what are you going to teach sex ed?" <laughs> but um, Jonathan's reason for for staying is super funny by the way like he has so many kids <laughs> and yeah, he has like all these this bills is jonathan at his most most pathetic because he's talking about how terrible his life is because he's got this huge family that he just works all the time and pulls out all of his like bills and loans and everything mm-hmm. and it's yeah like, no it's upsetting and he's you know he's talking about selling his truck um and he wants to just kind of yeah, stop working and be able to to pay off all these bills that he's kind of drowning in. I, I've, it's really weird because I feel like I can relate to that really big. <laughs> like, mm. that's such a a very adult problem. <laughs> yeah, well, these were you know working man's movies uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so Momo uh, confronts the old man, accusing him of kind of tricking Jonathan. And when he's in the middle of scolding him, he finds out that uh, he, this man is actually Minako's grandfather. His tune quickly changes, and <laughs> he calls him noble and classy and says that uh, he believes that there is gold to be found. So Jonathan does find a renter for his truck, which he's kind of tricked into a little bit by this like weird clapping thing where the guy's like, if you clap, <laughs> you agree. Yeah, it's like a handshake. Um. But uh, and so they return to Minako's, um, both in hilarious getups. <laughs> Momo's dressed as a teacher with big glasses and a fan, and Jonathan is in full mining gear along with like a jackhammer and and a helmet and everything. Yeah, that that also felt very cartoony to me. Just the complete costume changes into different <laughs> professions as yeah, they're staring I, at each other. Yeah, it's I love the part where they kind of look at each other and shake hands, and they're like, "Okay, we're doing this." <laughs> um so momo is of course horrible at being a teacher he doesn't understand fractions and the kids taunt him he is um more at home doing exercises on the beach uh, in his olympic uh, get up uh (laughs) but he gets pretty focused on minako and her bikini uh he he butts in the way of a kid asking her to teach him how to swim and minako seems to find this charming uh for some reason (laughs) um Likewise, Jonathan finds some early success, uh, finding a tiny bit of gold almost immediately. Um, And at this point, we get some sad backstory for Minako. We find out that she was actually an abandoned child who was found by the man that she calls her grandfather, who says that the gold in the soil brought you to me. And Minako quotes the saying, home is where the heart is, uh, which Momo kind of sort of misunderstands a little bit. but but, But the main point of it really does sink in with him the sort of idea that your home is not necessarily the physical place that you're from uh but what you hold most dear i think as a trucker he could kind of identify with this 
Um, and just then, a handsome man arrives out of nowhere on a scooter, and he and Monaco ride off together. She had agreed to make him dinner, uh, I guess, and an old woman comes up uh, and says to Momo that this man's a doctor and that he's uh, very excited because he has a wed- the wedding date has been set. Uh, Momo assumes that uh, he is marrying Minako and is crushed, of course. Um, he does some good old drinking and driving at this point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> although he kind of misses his mouth uh, in many parts. Uh, he's just kind of pouring the beer all over his head and the, and the dashboard and stuff. This is oh, like man. the most cartoonish drinking and driving thing I've ever seen. Like... <laughs> This is basically a better live action Popeye movie than the live action Popeye movie. <laughs> oh man, yeah, he's I like just that movie. like bathing in beer, basically. Yeah, as he drives down the street. <laughs> yeah, Benton sees this and calls him over the radio to see how he's doing. He he waxes poetic about uh, you know home is where the heart is, but uh, he this enrages Joji, who's also listening. Um, at this point, they're on Channel kind of- Four. Yeah, he. It, we're, yeah, we're kind of led to believe that what he's mad about is that they're using his his channel to like talk about dumb stuff. But it also, I think, is making him mad at because of stuff that we'll learn about him later and his yeah. kind of issues with home. Um. So he and his gang attack Momo, flanking his truck uh, on either side with their shark trucks, and he and Joji race. But Momo runs off the road when he thinks that he sees Ghost Minako on the side of the road, when in fact it is just a creepy mannequin. <laughs> Yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like a sake ad or something um, with this mannequin. Uh, but regardless, uh, Joji speeds off cackling. Um, back at the truck stop, Benten fills Momo in a bit about Joji. Uh, we learn that he disappeared about five years ago after being kicked out of his village. And we see uh, Joji return to his village now in the uh, in an emotional scene where... He's uh, the the village is being knocked down to build a nuclear power plant, and you know this this really upsets Joji. But the villagers tell him that they made the decision to sell their homes, uh, and at this point, Joji fights off some of the construction workers and then takes to his truck to knock down the buildings by himself, uh, ramming them and and crying in a, a very dramatic, uh, sad moment. Yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite kinds of things. Like I I like the that aspect of like manly men media from Japan, less so the horrible misogyny, mm-hmm. but the, uh, the, I like men having feelings about stuff and acting out because of it. Like he is sobbing as he, he's like, you can't demolish the city. I'm going to demolish the city. Cause I'm a big, bad, tough guy, but really it's <laughs> like crushing him inside. And this is the only agency he can have over it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shedding those Kenshiro tears. Uh, exactly. On his face. <laughs> Um, so after this, uh, Joji arrives at the truck stop, uh, all agitated and he and Momo instantly get into an argument. Um, at this point we learn that all of, uh, Joji's gang are orphans of a sort, uh, which I think is a neat detail. Um, and now here comes the brawl and boy, this fight is incredible. Um, there's so many great gags and stuff that I love. Like my, one my favorite might be Joji throwing Momo into the pachinko machine, Oh my god! <laughs> like Momo hits the jackpot, and Joji stops to stops the fight to like help him collect his winnings before like giving him a punch in the face. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Um, There's the uh, xylophone bit where yes. uh, where they both hit each other's heads on the railing, and it makes a uh, make a xylophone sound. 
the uh, the train sound when he's on the tray. I love that part so much. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. When he just he like disappears on a table, rolling into the kitchen, and then when Joji goes to like figure peek at where he went, he actually comes from the opposite direction again. <laughs> it just makes no sense, and he's like drinking a beer as he's as he's going, and you get the train sound. It's so funny. Yeah, that. Him rush. Somebody made a gif of uh, him rushing on that table straight towards the camera, chugging an Asahi and and, <laughs> and coming for you at full force, and it's great. Um, yeah. So the the tables turn eventually, and uh, everyone at the truck stop starts uh throwing things at Joji, who has has sort of lost the fight and is clearly well, they, not wanted here. They declare it a tie and hand them each a beer, which uh, Momojiro accepts, and Joji wants to keep fighting, so everybody mm-hmm. gets mad at him for being a bad sport. Yeah, yeah. He's basically, yeah, he already, nobody really liked this guy because he was being a jerk to everybody. Um, and so then Maya runs in with a knife uh, to protect Joji, and she takes him upstairs to her room. And then this... <laughs> is when Benton uh, serenades the truckers with a song. Joji's wounds uh, in her room. There's this, uh, this is like punctuated by the super gross slash manly oh slash funny part where Momo takes the bloody <laughs> tissue out of his nose, throws, <laughs> tosses it in the beer, and then like grimaces super bad and then chugs the beer. <laughs> I um, I thought to myself, like, while that was happening, would I do this? <laughs> and then I... I uh, I concluded that no, I would not do that. Yeah, there's there's no question for me. I absolutely would not do that. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's my blood. Oh <laughs> uh, man, yeah, oh, man, yeah, so that's good. that's great. Um, so then Momo decides to go to his home. You know, the home is where the heart is thing, and this is the Turkish bathhouse, of course. Um, special bathhouse. Mm-hmm, yeah, special protocol. <laughs> Which I uh, I love the the speech that he gives to to Joji earlier, where like it, it it's a very good illustration of his character, just how hard hard headed and strong willed he is. That he like you said earlier, he took that home is home is where the heart is uh, to heart, even if he was a bit mistaken about how to read it, because he's like a rock can be your home. If you mm-hmm. want it, but the idea that like 
he wants if he wants something so bad he will like through force of will try to make it happen but instead of just kind of like rolling over uh but then when he's finally like ah yes i will go back to where my home is and it's just it, it i mean i guess i haven't seen all of the movies but i assume that it's reoccurring it's in the first one as well uh, yeah this is and, kind of a home base <laughs> Yeah, and and he, I I like that in the movies I've seen, he's always so nice to the ladies and is always mm-hmm. bringing them gifts. They're mm-hmm. like watermelons in the first one, giant packages of uh, fancy rice in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love. He tells the girls uh, about this this a sort of like twisted version of the of what has happened, uh, where he tells them about a school teacher who has desperately wanted to marry him, but he declined. And I think in the story, he kicks her off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But, um, and then just as he starts to have sex with one of the women, a letter arrives. And this is one of the weirdest letter reading scenes slash funniest sex scenes I've ever seen. (laughs) There's such a good gag in it though. (laughs) I, there's many good gags in this. This scene is super fucking funny. I know. He 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 continues uh, his business, but uh, can do, but also reads the letter, and it's from Minako, and she says uh, she asks him where he's gone, and uh, he had promised her class that they could ride in his truck, and they were looking forward to it, and somehow he interprets this as evidence that she's not marrying the doctor. I don't know if I'm like missing something. Um, in the letter, but it, it doesn't really like clearly say that. But she's asking for him to come back, to which he sort of is like, "Okay, <laughs> she's not marrying that doctor," and uh, this gets him very fired up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my favorite gag is like it's he's reading the letter and it's <laughs> it's narrating in the Madonna's voice, and it's like, "I wonder where where you are," and and what you're doing, even though it's there's no, I wonder what you're doing, and there's no like diegetic reason for this to be out loud but then mm-hmm. the prostitute is like he's he's at the bathhouse having sex <laughs> he's doing it in a special bathhouse and and uh the be- like the way the scene ends is is super great too where uh oh, he goes puns. oh yeah i'm coming right now and then she goes not yet <laughs> yeah what a ridiculous yeah, as, scene. As the, as thrusting intensifies. <laughs> so silly. Oh, man. So, this might be uh, my favorite sex scene in any movie ever. It's <laughs> pretty great. <laughs> um, so anything more on the uh, special bathhouse scene, or should should we move on? <laughs> I love how they call it a special bathhouse. Like, <laughs> it's, Yeah, it's Toriko in Japanese, which I think means turkish bathhouse um oh that makes a lot of sense yeah um uh but anyway um uh, you know these subtitles are kind of like fast and loose a little bit yeah um which is why uh, i would love a great set by the fine people at arrow or whoever uh um so uh he returns to sato and meanwhile jonathan's not having any more luck finding gold uh he regrets the decision he's made and misses his family um momo politely greets minako's grandfather but uh now that jonathan is (laughs) pissed he kind of comes rushing in throwing the gold panning tools all around and attacking the grandfather Uh, momo defends the grandfather and declares that there definitely is gold to be found 
And then he says that even if there's not gold left for Jonathan to find, his gold is his wife and kids. Uh, dun, dun, dun. So uh, now Momo has uh, decked out his truck with things for the kids and Minako, and they they go riding together. There's this really great, like, weird, like, juice dispensing machine. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, for the kids. Yeah. Which, and, like, normally, uh, uh, is there a scene where he's got that dispensing beer in another movie? I don't know. But Maybe. he's got his truck is so decked out and he's got like a rear camera at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So you can he can actually see the like cop lady behind him. He's got all these like fancy gadgets and stuff. But I but yeah, I like that he totally cleans it up. It kind of reminds me of the thing that Jonathan had in the first movie where it's a, a shutter where one way it's like a <laughs> sexy lady and then he like pulls the cord and it's a picture of his family. Yeah. I love the sign that he's hung up that says rules for educators. One, yes. no I, more I special th- bathhouses. Don't pee or poop anywhere. <laughs> Obey Miss, uh, Miss Minako. Become Kinjiro Ninomiya, who's like a famous scholarly figure. And say no to gifts from parents, like bribery. I, I suppose is what that is. That's yeah. yeah, that's that's such a super funny sign and it's, it's a blink and you'll miss it type thing too. Yeah. I had to pause it and uh, I love the juice dispenser. Uh, in in addition to the you know strawberry, lime, lemon, uh, other flavors include ramen and hamburger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is uh, you know food of the future. Um, yeah, yeah. I really love that. Like even though throughout all this, like as as dumb as he is, and as much as he is lying through his teeth about everything, he's just so like well meaning and endearing mm. about all of it. Yeah. 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 So he so he goes on this class trip um, and they see a newlywed couple and the kids say that Minako and Momo should marry, which embarrasses them. And uh, there's a funny part where Momo is modeling uh, for them to paint this Tanuki statue for a play that they're putting on. It's pretty hilarious seeing Sugawara with this like Tanuki face paint on and like a weird pot on his back and stuff. Um Jonathan uh, gets his truck back uh, and uh, meets up with Momo in the class. Um, there's this insane scene where there's a festival going on and people are flying these huge kites. Uh, and a kid wonders if a person could ride uh, one of those kites, to which Momo is like, yeah, of course they can. And he like jumps on one. And Jonathan tries to pull him down, but they both go flying. And it's so... Speak about, like, I keep just saying goofy and cartoony, but that's just, like, such a perfect way to describe this this scene. This movie um, is a cartoon. Like, this whole mm-hmm. movie is a cartoon. It's it's yeah. absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, and this, I love how this kind of, like, splits between scenes of them actually flying a huge kite with these, like, little, like, mannequins attached to them that are supposed to be uh, Momo and Jonathan, and then <laughs> scenes that are, like, close-ups of them, like, holding on and being like whoa and stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't like the the camera like twirling around on the actual kite shots. Oh yeah. It makes me a little dizzy, but I do like the cutting back and forth between the close up of them like acting like they're flying through the air and and the real kite shots. Like it's it it is for as inexpensive as a like special effect as it is, it is really cute and well shot for what the scene is. Yeah, I think when they spin around, uh, Jonathan says like, "Make a 
uh, mawaru, which is like a w- way you say dizzy in Japanese, which means like literally like my eyes are spinning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so despite this being insanely reckless, this also seems to really charm Minako uh, even further to, to Momojiro. And uh, this is followed by a great festival scene at night where they dance together under the fireworks. And you guys know I love a good festival scene. Um, and this so, one is really sweet. Yeah, it's really great. Um, really, really cute. Um, so the next day, Jonathan agrees to ask on Momo's behalf if Minako would marry him. And um, when he does this, she gets very serious. Uh, and before the matter is resolved, uh, Jonathan jumps to conclusions and sort of a bit of meta commentary saying, you know, oh, yeah, it's usually about this time that Momo gets rejected. Um, probably being like, oh, we're about an hour into the movie or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but however, uh, in a twist, twist, uh, she does actually want to marry him. Uh, and she leaves and Momo's dazed and does uh, a total like wily Coyote uh, walking several feet off a ledge, and only when he looks down uh, and does a double take, he falls into the water. And now, now we've gone full Looney Tunes here. I think this is the the point. I think for me, where it's totally crossed over. So there's um there's an episode of Tiny Tunes, uh, I think pretty early on, where they're learning uh, cartoon physics 101, and uh, the lesson that they're <laughs> learning for the episode is. Uh, yeah, you can walk off a cliff and not fall as long as you don't look down. Yeah. <laughs> and once you look down, then you fall. And uh, and that this obeys that 100%. Yeah, I love it. And I, I even love how, like, charming, because it's old school special effects, like, the background kind of gets fuzzed out when he walks over it and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. Um, so, uh, however, of course, it... it uh, it, things ter- take a turn for the worse because uh, late one night uh, there's a big storm and Minako finds that her grandfather had left his tools uh, out to wash away in the river. He has given up on gold. Uh, this is really upsetting for her. And so she goes out to retrieve them. And as she does so, she actually sees gold at the bottom of the river and she reaches for it. And right then a huge wave comes crashing and engulfing her. And we get some really great imagery with the Jizo statues uh, intercut with this um, as this happens. You know, uh, poor Minako, she tempted fate by agreeing to marry the main character in in one of these movies. (laughs) Yeah, I was the first time when I watched this with you, I was like, this this isn't happening, right? This isn't like she's not (laughs) dead, right? And then it cuts to the to the like lantern on the water. And I'm just like, holy shit. And they the actually did this. It is yeah. crushing. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote like in my finally... notes. Yeah. Like, holy shit. She died. <laughs> like, yeah. As far as tone goes, like this completely like turns this movie on its head. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's like but this... only for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Even less, uh, less than that. You know, uh, that's what I love about these movies is they really run the gamut on emotions. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so we, we get this scene with the the setting the lanterns out to to see uh, with Minako's grandfather and the and the school children. And um, the grandfather says that Minako did not die or to not think of it that way, but that she simply returned to the soil where she came from. Uh, Momojiro is, of course, totally annihilated by this, and uh, he 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 reflects at the Jozu statue up on the mountain where he first uh, encountered her, uh, her real 
person, not the ghost version. But he does see uh, a ghost of her again. I think this time wearing the outfit that she was wearing at the at that festival scene. Um, but she disappears, giving him a nod. <clears throat> and now back to trucker antics. <laughs> um, the police have stopped Jonathan and uh, several of the other drivers for breaking weight limits. And Jonathan gets in a fight with one of the officers and is arrested. Um, in jail, he tells Momo that uh, his goods will spoil and he'll owe even more money at, to, uh, on top of the debt that he already has. Um, he, he will have to quit driving and divorce his wife. Um, it's an impossible task, but Momo agrees to drive the eight-hour drive in under five. And this is this is where he says the title of the movie. The Ichiban Boshi has a lot of guts. Dokyo Ichiban Boshi. Um, and he doesn't even care that it's road safety week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he says that he will be the worst speeder of the century. And so he speeds off, uh, pursued by the police, um, and uh, with the Tanuki st- statue in the passenger seat. And the other drivers come to Momo's aid, including Joji, who utilizes the CB radio to communicate with uh, Momo about where the roadblocks are, etc., and uh, Jody, Joji has this great uh, kind of final moment, tough guy moment in the movie where he blocks the police and uses one of their own handcuffs to handcuff himself to the truck. Um, and yeah, it's super badass. And like, if you have Sonny Chiba, you're just going to put him in a fist fight every single chance you get. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's definitely karate chopping and kicking dudes uh, anytime he's on screen. <laughs> Um, so the Ichiban Boshi takes a beating, of course. Uh, it's beautiful decorations and uh, murals are destroyed, but uh, Momo splashed does... splashed with mud. Yeah, splashed with As mud. Always. <laughs> There's a scene where he's driving through the ocean when, like, if he was just... There's, like, perfectly clear, like, <laughs> beach that he could also be driving on, but I think because it looks cooler for him to be splashing up in the water, they put him in the in the ocean. Um uh, but so Momo makes it in time, of course, and the day is saved. Uh, somehow Momo isn't incarcerated, <laughs> and eventually Jonathan is released, and they ride off together into the sunset once again. The end. Wow. Um, yeah, the, the film wraps up really quick because he gets there. The people at the fish market call the jail to let Jonathan know he made it, and then we get credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because usually this, the big run is kind of tied to the Madonna and kind of yeah. resolving her plot line. But when that is uh, resolved before the big truck run, uh, they just kind of have to run through it, and they don't have much story-wise besides, like, Jonathan has to make money and to support his family. Which like, it's, it's pretty thin plot wise, but I do like the idea that like he cares enough about Jonathan that he is, he is giving Jonathan the Madonna treatment basically. Mm. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now I, you know, the core of these movies I think is, is still uh, Jonathan and Momo Jiro's friendship. uh, For sure. Yeah. They have got a they have such a great dynamic. It's so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I um I was interested in the play that the kids were going to be putting on for their school, the Magic oh. Kettle, mm-hmm. or the Magic Tea Kettle. So I looked it up. Uh, Bunbuku Chagama, um, and uh, it heavily has to deal with the Tanuki as well. Um, so the story is about a, a poor man who finds a Tanuki in a trap. Uh, so he sets it free. And uh, that night, the Tanuki comes to his house to thank him. 
um, and he transforms himself into a tea kettle and sells them and uh, tells the man to sell him for money. So the man sells the uh, the teapot, aka the tanuki, to a uh, monk who uh, takes it home and uh, treats it harshly by scrubbing it really hard and um, sets fire to it over over water. Um, naturally, the tanuki can't stand the heat, uh, so the teapot sprouts legs and makes a run for it. Um, <laughs> so he returns to the poor man with a different idea that he would set up a uh, roadside attraction and charge admission for people to see a teapot walking a tightrope. Uh, the plan <laughs> works, and each gains something good from the other. The man is no longer poor, and the tanuki has a new friend and a new home. That's cute. Yeah, yeah. that's really cute. I like it. Um, that's cool. So yeah. um, what did you think, Alex, seeing this for the first time? Man, I thought it was super funny um, and really entertaining. Uh, I would watch a gajillion of these movies. They're so fun. <laughs> um, Bunta Suyuara is incredible in that he can play such a hard-boiled uh, Yakuza guy, but also such a incredible goof. He's sort of like uh, like an earlier version of uh, Beat Takeshi in a way. Mm-hmm. Where he like he kind of uh, has no trouble walking that line between the two. Yeah, I think he's incredible as a comedic actor. Um, yeah, and I think that that's something that doesn't get talked about very much, at least in the West, uh, because all we get over here are his yakuza movies. Yeah, um, I I love how this movie also, uh, like Jonathan has his own little side story thing as well as Momo and. Um, and Sonny Chiba's character has his own thing too. So it's every there's there's three separate storylines going together, but they all sort of come together a little bit at the end too, which is which is wonderful. And uh, I I love the I love the manly like uh, this is the Japanese manly uh, bond between characters so much. It's uh, I don't know. There's something really fun and and uh, I guess fantasy esque about it. Like oh. This is going to be the bond that that will never yeah. break. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I love how all three of their stories still do revolve kind of around this like central theme of like home and family and it, you know people who are important to you and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah, that's great. Um, Scott, what did you think about this movie? Uh, I really love this. I like it better than the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. It. Uh, I like that it functions as a kind of weird variety show because you get so much <laughs> different stuff. You get a musical interlude in the middle. You get fight scenes. You get sadness. Um, I really like the Joji B plot just because, like I said earlier, like it probably because I love Fist of the North Star so much, I like to see strong men crying mm-hmm. while they do manly things. Um, yeah, and to contrast it with the first movie, it's it's nice to see the rival trucker kind of have his own story rather than just sort of be there to kind of prop up or beat down a little bit, uh, you know, uh, Sugawara's character. Yeah. Um, I, Momojiro is like, I feel bad that the movie is kind of like yanking him around by his emotions and stuff, but I do like his characterization in this. I think something that stood out to me rewatching it this time is the scene when, uh, when uh, Joji and the Jaws gang first comes into the truck stop, which like everybody like knows and respects Momojiro, but they're afraid of those guys. But Momo is just like 
mad that they're interrupting him and being rude and is not afraid at all, even though he's just trying to do his own thing. He's got his nose in that book. And when they kind of like disturb his reading. uh, (laughs) But yeah, I love I love how like badass and hard headed he is to the point of stupidity. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it reminds me a lot of uh, Luffy in Mm -hmm. One Piece. Yeah, you can yeah. definitely see how these appeal to Atro Oda, these movies. Whenever I watch uh, Sugawara, I always think of Akainu, and whenever he's doing something really goofy, I'm like, I can't imagine that character in One Piece doing anything <laughs> remotely <laughs> this goofy. Yeah, no way. <laughs> be great. Yeah, man. I think that I, I, uh, you know, I when I kind of wrote down my basic thoughts, it, it basically echoes what you guys said about it. it it's really fun to kind of compare it to the original with with how much the cartooniness ramps up you can you can see why it, even when i was watching them all unsubtitled and i could kind of only half understand what was going on why this one rose to be among my favorites and now that i have a more clear translation of it i can it is solidly at the top for me because it's just mm-hmm. so fun and and it but it has so much visual visual gags and stuff that it, it works really well on its own you know, just the I just the 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 visual uh, of of a bunch of shark themed trucks driving together, like in its own way, is like very striking and and funny. Yeah, I also think that like the front ends of uh, Momo and Jonathan's trucks are like crazier and more interesting in this movie than oh, they were in the first one. Yeah, Off yeah, flasher. yeah. The decorations just get more and more uh, intense uh, as the movies go on, for sure. Um, uh, let's talk about favorite parts of the film. Uh, Scott, what was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part is probably the fight scene at the truck stop. Mm-hmm. It uh, just like, it, like you said, the highlighting the pachinko part, just how they get increasingly goofy with it. Uh, there's the part when they fall into the kitchen and one of them is, is completely covered in flour and the other is completely <laughs> covered in, I guess, squid ink or something, which yeah. I was worried oh, for man. a second the first time I saw that because I was like, oh, no, Japanese blackface. But yeah. then he had a piece of lettuce on his head and a cucumber that he took a bite out of. And I was like, oh, he's supposed to be a kappa. Yeah. That's so funny. Uh, but yeah, like from that and then the the xylophone thing just how silly it is in the end where they're just like both twirling around (laughs) punch drunk but uh we talked about what a good comedic actor Bunta Suguar is but Sonny Chiba is like a very good comedic straight man Mm. in that scene yeah it's something that's really interesting about that brawl is how cartoony it is, but how like weighty it also like ends up being like, it's still very emotional at the end of it. But yeah, you would, I I'm glad that like you would occasionally think some of these tough guy actors would want to maintain their tough guy visage. And like both of them are pretty badass in the movie, but like Sonny Chiba is, is much like Bunta Seguara is definitely willing to like get, get goofy with it (laughs) yeah definitely how about you alex oh man uh i want to be really general about this because i loved all the comedy in it i sure kept writing down like really funny bits of dialogue that i liked like the first major laugh that i had was uh after um after momo had seen the ghost 
And then Jonathan thinks he sees a ghost too. And Momo says, that's not a ghost. That's a prostitute. Yeah. <laughs> She's in his car. She was wearing all white. Truck. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Super funny. And uh, I loved this analogy that uh, Jonathan was talking about how he's only ever had sex with his wife. And he says, oh, well, just imagine if you could only if you only ate pumpkins every day and and then a melon comes along. And you just really want to eat melon. And they just and for the next two minutes, they literally just talk about eating melons instead. And they have like, like people walking by whenever they mention a fruit. Someone's like carrying yeah. a box of those fruits, which is like that's not really a joke. It's just kind of like a yeah. weird visual thing. Oh, God. It's, I, a, it's a funny side gag. Yeah. yeah. And and of course, the the entire sex scene was super good. I loved I loved I loved that that framing device. Mm-hmm. It It was it was really clever. <laughs> it was really clever. I'm going to yeah. give it to him. Yeah, totally. Uh, what did you like, Joey? Uh, my favorite scene uh, that I wanted to talk about was Benten's song uh, Ooh, in the yeah. middle. I think it just like exemplifies what I love about these films that you never know what to expect. I know mm-hmm. I definitely remember the first time she just like starts singing and the music kicks in. I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, this is perhaps because I didn't know that she was a famous Enka singer. You know, uh, if I if I did know that, maybe I would have seen it coming. But it really blew me away. You know, I, I love the song, too. Uh, Koi Uta is the name of that song. It means love song. Um, not only does it provide a good break after that bonkers fight, but it skill like it very skillfully shifts from silly uh, in, in what we're seeing on the screen uh, to everyone kind of cheer like gra- gathering around her and cheering and stuff uh, to like heartfelt by leaving us off with a scene of Joji and Maya in the room together and the sort of weight of that Enka music, uh, you know, really backs that up very well. You know? Yeah. Another, another kind of meta commentary thing in that is after the song, uh, just before I think we get that scene with, uh, with Joji, uh, she comes upstairs and tells, Momojiro that like you're really some matchmaker huh because he kind of brought them back together in a way Mm, but yeah but yeah he he is he's always reuniting couples in these movies it's true (laughs) um one more thing I wanted to mention about this is that like at this point in the series the movies are starting to get pretty stacked with cameos like um in this one alone, like there was a lot of these guys that you could kind of tell were one off like comedians or singers or something that they were just kind of sticking in a scene or something like I, I, I skimmed over this point. But the, there was a part where there was like a guy getting ready for uh, uh for Momo's wedding and getting his like clothes ready and stuff. And he had a weird kind of little song part. I, I don't know if he's like a singer or a comedian or something, but it definitely like, you know, seemed like a cameo and. I know there's a guy uh, that there's a guy that like tosses Momo his lunch at some point when he's like uh, driving the truck uh, that that guy's like a famous trucker, like a real like a kind of head of a, the trucker union. Um, but like but amongst all these cameos, Aki Yashiro is kind of elevated to the point where she's a full fledged character and uh, that relates to Joji uh, and his story and kind of knows what's going on and. And a thing that I think is cool is that Yashiro is often included in the list of Truckiaro Madonnas, even though she wasn't technically that role in this film. Uh, but I I gotta agree with that status for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, this movie, God, I wrote down as I was watching it because it's tickling. It tickles all of my, all of my um Japanese film fun, or Japanese culture funny bones. Like it's mm. got the passion, you know, the manly, the manly, the manly man stuff. It's it's funny. It's got Dekutora. It's got fights, and most importantly, it has Enka. Like that. Like yeah. <laughs> speaking to that, I was like. Whoa! <laughs> like I was, I was, I was like, this movie has everything, and then they have they're on a kite. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 there's so this movie is packed full of really good stuff, and mm-hmm. it just moves. I, yeah. I can't like I can't be happier about this movie. Yeah, I I I I have to agree. But um, on the subject of its Japanese-ness, uh, maybe we should move on to one of our new segments that uh, Alex introduced last month uh, called Shall We Dance? Uh, if this movie had been remade in America, who would it star and what would it be like? <laughs> Um, I must admit, I didn't do any preparations for this, so I don't have anything on hand. Do you guys have, uh, <laughs> any ideas of who would play our, our leads? So oh I, my f- gosh. I feel like you would need somebody who can really walk that, like that really gruff exterior, but also be goofy, um, for Momo and have that kind of rapport with, with the, the Jonathan character the way you do. The funny mm-hmm. thing about this particular movie is that it reminds me a lot of live action French films mm. where it's just like it's like very live action cartoon esque. There are there's a lot of French films that are, are like that, uh, like in from the 90s. Um, like I would I, like I, I feel like it would be even better if you remade it uh, in France with Gerard Depardieu as Momo. <laughs> Because I feel like he could definitely, like he pull, he would pull that I off. I just like, don't know so if well. he's tough enough. He's well, yeah, that's, that's the problem. You need somebody who can exude that toughness. Maybe The Rock. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> like I mean, yeah, he could probably. He does. He's it. got the range, right? Yeah, I feel like <laughs> The Rock, and uh, and I guess we could just do this for any Truck Yarrow series, really, because sure, they all follow a very similar formula. Um. I just want to, I just want to say like The Rock and like Kevin Hart, just because I'm pretty sure they were in a movie together really recently. <laughs> They've been in a bunch of movies together. They're they're a comedy duo at this point. There we go. Yeah. Actually, I actually I can really see that yeah. working because in in all of their movies, Kevin Hart has a similar like kind of whiny. Why am I in this situation? Mm. Attitude that Jonathan tends to have about everything. So, yeah. Um, yeah. My I only mean, thought. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that as far as like, you know, trucker, like as far as theming goes and stuff, like being a a movie about truckers, like would work just as well here, uh, as it does because there's a strong you know presence of truckers in in America as well. Yeah. Yeah, you were. Um, uh, what were you saying, uh, Scott? I was gonna say the for. Joji, the the first person that came to mind while actually watching the movie is when he first shows up kind of sneering with sunglasses on is uh, Cobra era Sylvester Stallone. Oh, Oh, man. man. Like before he had any comedic roles for him to be in a movie like that. It would be very Uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. That was before he blew up like muscle wise too. Like before he got super Rambo huge. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, imagine Stallone would... crying as he's tearing down his 
uh, trailer park that he came from or whatever. You kidding? That's like <laughs> that's the ultimate, right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. That's the ultimate Kenshiro cry. <laughs> uh, now the other segment that Alex uh, introduced uh, last month was the Takashi Shimura Award for the st- scene stealing performance. Um, I mean, I think we're all pretty like into uh, you know as much as it was kind of a starring role, but like Sunny Chiba's uh, dramatic scenes and stuff seems to have left a big impression on us. Is there anyone else that you'd Maybe nominate. Hmm. Yeah, I Sonny Chiba was the first uh was the first that came to mind. Um although Bunta like he's the he's the de facto star of the movie and yeah, now of course. he just he's just so great. Um but I'll have to give it to Sonny Chiba because you know, he's like the special guest in this movie and and he has a really like every scene that he is in, he is absolutely on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to give it to the background trucker guy who's always there with a big open shirt and some kind of like the sumo cloth thing going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah, the sumo thing. Yeah, uh, that is. I gosh, I should have looked up his name. Um, that is a background actor who I actually recently mentioned on the One Piece podcast. Um, he's a dude that's in a bunch of toy movies. I don't know if he's part of the Piranha Army, which is this like group of background actors, but like he's a guy that I see all the time, and I love pointing him out because he's he's very distinct looking and always pretty goofy. <laughs> uh, not always dressed as a sumo wrestler <laughs> with, with with like Elvis shades or whatever. Yeah, I'm just super into his look, and he. he draws my eye anytime he's in a background scene yeah (laughs) love it um all right is there uh anybody have any last words on uh truck yarrow um hey arrow release all of these movies (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're great i i can only beg them so many times i think they've probably already muted me in all, all forms but um yeah i i really hope that um, you know, it would be a pretty big set, 10 movies, but um, I think it would be great. I'd be so happy. Or Criterion, you can do it too if you want. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but I feel like, yeah, Arrow is definitely the best suited just because every single, like, every, like, every single special feature, somebody references it. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's true because they have a lot, they have a history of putting out a lot of, like, um, Bunta Sugawara Toei films. And so, like, inevitably, uh, uh, Truck Yara, just, which they call Truck Guys, uh, which I'd be fine with that sub- with that title, but, like, comes up uh, almost every single time. <laughs> They're just hitting all over the dartboard, but not the bullseye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, I forgot to bring up that um, the, uh, the hotel that they uh, stay at, um, or that they, I guess, uh, load up at, in the, earlier in the movies, the Toei Hotel, uh, hmm. which I thought was kind of a cute nod to the studio that produces these movies. Oh, yeah. I missed that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably just right outside Toei Studios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, um, Scott, what will we be talking about next month? Uh, next month, we will be doing our first uh, Yasujiro Ozu film, uh which is actually his final film called An Autumn Afternoon, which is a kind of 
uh, bittersweet film about a a uh, older man arranging a marriage for his daughter who takes care of him. And uh, I haven't seen this one before. I it's it, behind Tokyo Story. It's maybe his second most acclaimed film. But I wanted us to to get to an Ozu film to kind of contrast it with uh, what we've seen from Kurosawa. Mm. And just because he is the other like major titan of yeah. of Japanese film, uh, and we also get to be exposed to uh, Ozu's own version of Takeshi Shimura, Chisu Ryu, who is basically in almost every one of his films as uh, an older man. So, yeah, oh, and in great. almost all the Torasan films as well. Um, ah. Um, so yeah, that sounds great. I'm really looking forward to that. I've only seen Tokyo Story uh, as far as Ozu goes, so. I would... Is there um is there a way that the listeners can check this particular movie out? Uh, yeah, on an afternoon. It, yeah, it appears that almost all of Ozu's filmography, including even his silent stuff from the 30s, is available on Filmstruck through the Criterion collection. So. Oh, great. It's pretty easily accessible. Awesome. So I guess you can also get a Criterion uh, Blu-ray as well. That's possibly uh, if it's yeah, if it's on Filmstruck, I would. Yeah. Uh, you can always look it up, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll we'll make sure to like uh, tweet out information about that and stuff too. Um, so, uh, well, Scott, uh, where can people find you uh, if they want some more info and stuff? Uh- People can find me at uh, VriskaChat on Twitter, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Uh, I will probably, in addition to watching this, I want to rewatch Tokyo Story because it's been a while since I see, I've seen it and maybe check in on some of his uh, earlier silent era stuff because that seems cool and I don't know mm. much about that era of film in the U.S. or Japan, so it'd be a neat thing to check in on. So look for me to tweet about that. Great. And how about you, Alex? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at dude exclamation, all one word. Um, also, check me out on Instagram. Uh, yesterday, when I was watching this particular movie, I made an Instagram story about it. Uh, it's no longer up, but uh, um, but you never know what kind of cool stuff I might be doing <laughs> relating to uh, Japanese film. Uh, so check check out my Instagram. Uh, you can also listen to me weekly on the One Piece podcast. It's onepiecepodcast.com, also available on iTunes. And... Um, I was a recent guest on an episode of Conversation Genesis Evangelion. Uh, that's at Mr. Matt J on Twitter. Uh, the, that's the Cartoon 101's pod, uh, Cartoon 101's Patreon. So for a cool five bucks, you can check out his uh, podcast on a uh, exploration on uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. He's almost done, and then is going to move on to the works of Satoshi Kon. So uh, if you're a fan of uh, Hideaki Anno or Satoshi Kon, please check out uh, his podcast. It's very good. Awesome. Um, and I can be found at Joey Weiser on Twitter, joeyweiser.tumblr.com for news about my comics. Um, my You can check out my work at my newly relaunched homepage, tragic-planet.com. Um, the Merman book series is out uh, almost entirely in softcover now. Uh, one through four are in softcover. One through five are in hardcover with the final soft cover coming this fall uh that they're also all available digitally so get those comics however you want to get them 
Um, and uh, keep an eye out for Ghost Hog next year. Uh, just just recently announced that that'll be in May uh, next year. So keep an eye out mm. for that. Um, and as for Toho Yaro, uh, Toho Yaro has a Twitter account at Toho Yaro. Uh, where you can like us on Facebook. Um, <clears throat> and email us uh, at uh, tohoyaro at gmail.com. Um, and uh, we, we love hearing from fans, like I was mentioning earlier, and uh, Twitter, email, ha- Facebook, however you want to talk to us. Um, and please rate, review, and subscribe so that you'll um, make us feel good and help out the podcast. And if you're subscribed, you won't miss an episode when it drops. Um, and so keep an eye out next month for a an autumn afternoon. この旅は一人旅女の道は帰り道所詮通わぬ道だけど惚れた晴れたが交差点 はずみで生まれつきものの弾みで生きてきたそんなセリフの裏にある心のからくり落とし穴 一番星出る頃は俺の心に波が